0: Welcome to 1M1, the movie music podcast. I'm Alex Steiermark, creator and host of the show. Episode three is a conversation that I recently had with composer Michael Dana, who won the 2013 Oscar for his score for the Ang Lee film, Life of Pi. As you'll hear in our conversation, Michael has always been intensely curious about music from different cultures around the world. You could say he's also an ethnomusicologist. The music that Michael writes is tremendously empathetic and celebrates our common humanity. He's also a very gracious human being, and I'm grateful to him for taking time out from his busy schedule to speak with me at a studio in Los Angeles. I think you'll enjoy what he had to say. So, Michael, Dana, here we are. I think uh, 20 years ago, we were working on the ice storm, standing on the... Was it the 34th floor, 32nd floor, looking over Lake Ontario? And here we are in the 7th floor in Hollywood and Vine.
1: That's right. I I always feel a need to have some sort of altitude, I guess. Yeah. But yes, I remember very clearly how we met. I was working with Mira Nair on Kama Sutra in the Brill Building, the famous music-centric building in Manhattan, where uh, going back to the 20s, I guess, or even earlier, it was... a Center of Music and uh, at the time we were I was working with Mira Nair on Kama Sutra and uh, we were we had our door open and I remember seeing someone walk by and then here there's footsteps come back and their head poke around the corner and, and it was you really yeah <laughs> and you and you said um, hey what is this and I I said yeah I introduced myself and said yeah we're working and the score for Kama Sutra, and he went, and he said, uh, well, we should, um, we should set you up with Aang. I, I think uh, I'm working on this new film called The Ice Storm, and uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, introduce you guys. I believe that's kind of how it went down. So That's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that you remember it. That oh, it was a big moment for me. Um, yeah, but wow. uh, yeah, so that's the magic of the Brill Building. It was the magic. That
0: was an incredible building. Um, it's still there, but a lot of the film... People left it's a landmark building but at the time I had yeah I had not know I had like an office there I think. yeah
1: yeah and I think you had just started working with him and the, of course that, there's a lot of songs in that film and you were placing songs and clearing them and I think you were just kind of at that stage so Wow Yeah. well I know
0: that you were definitely on um, to use the expression you were on our radar because we were all right. such huge fans of your work and uh, you had worked with Adam Goyen, and we were all just obsessed yeah. with your music for him. And, and uh, but
1: that's incredible. Yeah, so that that's how I remember us meeting. I, it was like that with you walking by, and maybe yeah, maybe you said something like, "Oh yeah, I know who you are," and we were we were looking you up already or something. But <laughs> you know, I that that's certainly the first time we met, and it was you kind of doing a. Our old double take as he walked by. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, a lot's
0: happened since then. Mm. Um, you know, I'm very curious to, to talk a little bit about your, you know, some of your process and and, and the background. And you won the Oscar for best score for the Life of Pi, which is so amazing. Of course. With our with our friend and collaborator Ang Lee from the Ice Storm. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And you've worked with Ang on a. On a few projects. Mm -hmm. The Life of Pi in a way to me feels like sort of the coming together of all the different things you've been interested in over the years. It just seemed like this culmination of so many musical threads. There's so many things in that score and and but before we get
1: to that I guess I seem to recall that you lived in India at one point. Yeah I I spent a lot of time there. I um I mean, I didn't do a full relocation where I pulled up my roots from North America, but, yeah, I was there for um, almost a year straight at one point and then went back and forth many, many times. I And I worked there many times and recorded there many times, traveled a lot, volunteered teaching in schools and all kinds of things. So, yeah, I have a, a long um, history of and relationship with... With that, that place. And what what were you doing there? Um, m- mostly, um, I, I ended up. I, I started working there, and I had a friend that I'd come over with, and then I met a bunch of their friends, and just sort of kind of got embedded in the social life in Delhi, um, which is a really fun city. And uh, yeah, a lot of it was social and just um and then explore, exploration of um yeah the music and and studying there and um working with different musicians and making field recordings traveling around going to off the beat and track as much as i could and finding interesting unusual things to bank in my little dat recorder that i had back then oh yeah yeah, can you still play those at all? <laughs> I I can I yes I purposely bought one a, another one um, kind of before they stopped making those so that I could have something uh, that still works and can can get into those. But of course many mo- many of them have been digitized, mm-hmm. but, um, digitized in a different way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's I have a lot of field recordings from over the years and from all kinds of places that, I, that I've traveled. And even recently, I went... I hadn't done it in a long time because now I have little kids and it's harder to um, leave and drift around the world. But, but last year, I did take a few months and I, I was on a jury in a film festival in Bombay. And then from there, I traveled around. I went to Bali as well and studied Gamelon. Um, for a while and went to China and yeah, so I got to bounce around a bit and I Just really I missed being able to do that kind of every year, but mm-hmm. it filled me up again from my my well of inspiration yeah And um, one of the things that well you were just
0: showing me earlier your your you you bought some gamelons mm-hmm. Gamelon, I don't know what's the plural of gamelon um? <laughs> Uh, G- Gamelani. I't
1: that's a good question, I don't know. Gamelani. Um, yeah.
0: Which is pretty pretty incredible, really, because I remember I remember the moment on the ice storm where uh, you know, I remember that Anne kept saying he wanted the music to sound cold and brittle, and that 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 there was a, a period of time where you were just really racking your brain to to figure out what that would be. And then one day you just said... I think I think I figured it out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because I could hear it, and I remember the moment when it came to me, we were at a screening, and just there was a, some particular shot of ice melting, and um, it just, the sound of a gamelan popped into my head, and um, yeah, I thought it would be perfect for so many reasons, and it and it did work out that way. The difficult thing was convincing Ang because the only recordings I could find were, um, you know, classically played uh, gamelan in in Bali or or Java, and um, that was not really how I wanted to use it with the kind of um, a lot of dynamic changes and kind of almost. Um, in some ways aggressive aggressively played and um, I couldn't find any recordings and I think I played some things for Aang and just like got a blank expression back at (laughs) me (laughs) so but the other thing I knew about Aang and all directors is that they're so they're visual animals and um, I knew just knowing him that he would be really attracted to them if he could see them Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. so So we flew him up to Toronto and we had the Evergreen Gamelon Ensemble kind of have their instruments all spread out. And as soon as Aang walked in the room, I knew we we had it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because his eyes lit up. And and, uh, yeah, and then I got the guys to play. Okay, guys, let's just play like slow, you know, eighth notes and just like, you know, mezzo piano and, and, just on one note just so we can hear like this is the this is kind of the world that we're going to be entering here and then you know right away is oh okay now I get it so yeah this is the right sound so that's how we uh we were able to uh um help our director kind of understand what it was that 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 we had in mind. The thing that's amazing about the the gamelon in that in that score is that it not only is kind of on a on a sensual level and a visual level the right sound for ice and coldness and brittleness, um, but it also resonates on a on a on a deeper, more cultural level. And that in the Native American flute mm-hmm. that we used it has a um, You know, you can't help, or many people can't help, but feel, you know, a different way of of organizing your society and how different ways of people relating than the ones that where our story is based in suburbia of the 1970s. So there's just that kind of um, parallel world of another culture, different way of living in the American. Um, Native American tradition of course they'd be literally on the same ground as where these people are living out their lives but such a different way of approaching nature approaching man's relationship with nature man's relationship with other with other man. so there's sort of a, a wonderful kind of alternate parallel social universe that's embedded in the sound of that music that comes from the gamelan the, and the Native American flute that I think was a really beautiful um, undercurrent that was able to be kind of built into mm-hmm. the music that we were, we were creating. Yeah, it's very haunting. There's a sense of
0: another sort of spiritual presence there throughout the movie. That, the music, the, the score, I think gives that.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like the the spirits of those people are like observing, you know, the 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 goings on of of yeah suburbia and upper the, upper, upper class, middle class upper middle class white suburbians. <laughs> exactly. There's just a a kind of a, a way of just being able to it it in the music. There's the ability to step back really far and look at this in a macro way and. And feel it kind of on a more uh, bigger scale of time and place than where than where we're, we're situated in the story. Um, so I love I love that about that about those instrument choices on that film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um,
0: there was the there was in that case uh, you know the challenge of finding the right sound, the right musical palette or instrumental palette for it. Um, in terms of uh, thematically and how, how, when you, in your case, when you're working, do you, are you looking, are you first thinking about what's an interesting palette for this or do you take, or you try to sort of
1: identify a larger concept that you want to apply? Concept, it, for me, that's, and I don't know if it's a form of procrastination that I have Developed. That's like a sophisticated form of procrastination <laughs> that makes you have to do a lot of research and not actually write music, which is the most painful part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, for me, there, I really need to understand the role of the music in the story. So the first thing you have to really clearly understand is the story. You know as you recall what the way we where we started was okay we're doing the 70s in in upper middle class white suburbia so we should have synthesizers and we fooled around with that for a while it's just like well we already get that from the picture so we're not adding anything that's not already there we're just heaping you know sugar on top of sugar like it doesn't it's not an alternate flavor it's so the um you know the concept that we came up with was that, you know, in the title of the book and the film is The Ice Storm, the, so already the story has this focus on nature and man's relationship with nature and, and maybe natural order and, and um, a sense of natural evolution and um, the disruption of those things. And, and the effects of, of those things, of those disruptions, so having the concept of the music speaking to this uh, almost scoring a, a different picture scoring an alternate um, society, and um, one that's more in tune with nature and more in tune with itself and that was really the concept that we find, that finally made us all, you know, feel like, yes, the music is doing something here that really um, helps us understand the deeper themes of the story. It's really enlightening. It's shining a spotlight from a slightly different angle and just illuminating things that are there that are absolutely there but just helping us see them and feel them in a in a more profound way and those are the scores that are, are the ones that really are rewarding and and fun to do when you hit on that concept and then find a way to um, activate it um, finding the right instruments to speak for that and the right players and the, the right melodies and um, so, that was, the, that was the journey there, was, was we, we floundered around for a while until we hit on that concept. And once we had that concept, then the rest of it flowed, the choosing an American Native flute, choosing gamelan, um, supporting that with Western civilization in the form of a, of a small orchestra of winds and strings. Um, yeah, and and that was the evolution of how that score came around.
0: I remember there was a, an issue of tuning between the gamelan and—do you want to talk a little bit about that, too?
1: Yeah, and I remember people saying, oh, no, you can't do that. There's no way that you can combine a gamelan with Western instruments, never mind an orchestra, because, first of all, they're not A440. But even if they were, (laughs) your A might be 440, but, you know, there's only five pitches per octave. And they're all wrong tunings compared to Western tunings. Every one of them is off. Um, I I, I was glad I was warned about that. So what we did was sample the actual instrument that we were going to be recording. Um, And so we had those... So-called out-of-tune pitches; those clashes between equal-tempered tuning and the uh, pelog tuning that the that the gamelon is tuned in, and then I wrote it with that in mind. So I I was careful to uh, acknowledge those clashes and write in a way that it there wouldn't be surprises when we finally put it all together. Um, and there is a certain you know. Definitely unusual tuning to the whole proceedings, but I think it's something that that we were able to get to work because yeah, because it was written that way. It was written with that in mind, and and you know we mock, literally mocked it up that way with the with those pitches from the beginning. Now, as I recall, we had to we had to take the Gamelon recording and take the entire recording and and believe raise it you know something I think we had to repitch it slightly we had to repitch yeah but we it was a global repitching we didn't yeah. we did not retune in fact i don't think we had the technology then to retune now of course you could yeah. very quickly retune each each actual note in the gamelon. but we just globally raised it let's say 30 cents or whatever it was and then it was we found a place where it sat yeah. nicely
0: actually you're talking about nature I mean it seems like nature Hang has a, a fascination with the forces of nature obviously that's such an essential part of the life of Pi as well
1: it is in life of Pi um yeah and like you were saying earlier life of Pi is kind of a um it's like a summary of everything I'd done in my career up to then all in one score which is maybe why I find it one of the lesser interesting scores I've done because it I didn't really do anything new there um, it was a recapitulation of kind of the exploration and work I'd done up to there so I kind of pulled out all the stops from all I just oh yeah I remember when we used nay. In this film, and yeah, we used Gamelon in this film, and we we just pulled it all together. Well, into that's that so film. incredibly <laughs> self-effacing of you, considering uh, all the accolades you've gotten
0: for it. But but I I see it as um, a, a, t- a complete synthesis of everything that were, that you were working on up until that point, and I, I think it's a masterpiece. I mean, I oh, think it's you. just really, really uh, everything just comes together organically, and you've got. You've got everything: yeah. accordion, gamelan, nay. Um, mm-hmm. What was the conversation with Aang about that? <laughs> because obviously, by that point, he would have been familiar with everything you'd done before. Was Ye- he referencing
1: that, or? Yeah, definitely, he he was, and he. I mean, I clearly remember the phone call. I had read Life of Pi, of course, um, by my fellow my fellow Canadian, and um, when it first came out, and I remember thinking. Well, there's no way that they'll ever make that a film and thank God because they're just wreck it. It's such a beautiful book um, And then just my phone ringing and it was Ang, and just saying well I'm I'm doing life of pie now and I remember my heart just jumping into my throat with frankly terror because I knew ang would actually be the right guy to do it and that he would figure out how to do it and i knew that it was going to be really really hard (laughs) and and that we would um, be that this was the first step on a very long and arduous voyage which which was in fact correct and we taught we talked for about two years and i took notes i still have this this binder of notes that i took in these conversations he would call me from the set and just say okay michael i was thinking." Today about you know this this is about the sky the, you know the sky and the sea and the the line between them and we just had these deep philosophical conversations about things like that and the mo- and this film is about the mother and the father the female energy male energy and we just we got so deep into that um, that's my French clock <laughs> so um, it's high noon yeah if you can hear it that means your ears still work because it's pretty high Um, so we we had this these long philosophical conversations which which actually had nothing to do with music for for a year and a half at least maybe two years um, before I even saw anything of it Um, so I had a really kind of profound understanding of what you know obviously the book but also Aang's take on it and what it was that he wanted to say in what he was doing in the in the deepest way possible so when I started writing finally I started cramming all these ideas into the score and it was just exhausting to listen to mm-hmm. like uh, it was mm-hmm. like Bach or something it was just <laughs> you know you needed to nap after after taking in five minutes of the music you just didn't want to hear anymore because it was so thick and full of meaning. And so we went that road for a long time. And then Aang, I mean, you know, and this is something he's amazing at, he's able to he was able to figure out what it was that was wrong with it. And it for a long time we are like, yeah, this is working, I guess, you know, but it doesn't quite feel right, but we don't know why. And Aang just said, you know, like it's already like okay, now take all those ideas you have, but don't think about them now. Just write nice music. And music that will help us. You know, he's saying. I remember saying, we have to be compassionate to the audience because we're putting them through such torture and pain in, through this movie that the music's role here is actually going to be to, to make you feel better about this whole torture that we're putting you through. And to kind of just have this big arc big beautiful arc that will give you a sense that there is a master plan here but it's one that um we're we're taking care of you we're you know you're being guided here and that the the role of music was not to kind of um ruminate on all these deeper philosophical issues because the film was already doing all that ruminating right in front of you Mm -hmm. so it was it was really interesting you know way to kind of and and in a way I was kind of like the wrong composer for that because I kind of had to come at it probably from the opposite side that many composers would have come at so I had to kind of get all that knowledge and then kind of Forget about it. Of course, it's still in the music, which I think is maybe the good thing about the score, is that all that, all that preparation and work and thinking, it is inside it, but it's 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 really deep inside it. In a way, it's a very superficial score, and it's probably why I find it less interesting than many of my other things, because that became the role of the music is just, is like, um, compassionate guide. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I get it. I, I get that. Um, you know, on a positive note, um, I found it... Uh, so moving the 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 film is very very challenging emotionally because you're seeing truly horrific things things that just touch you at the most you know primal level that you fear childhood fears you know and yet um there's this weird sense of gratitude that you feel as an audience member for having been allowed to have those feelings and then come out of it you know like appreciating the people in your life and i frankly i think the music has a lot to do with that that's so uh, interesting I, but i under- but on the other hand i understand why you feel that way because you're you're a very deep thinker and 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 your musical idea your your musical ideas are informed you know from so many different sources that I imagine maybe it was just hard to come to terms with having to simplify something.
1: Well, and I, I guess, you know, it's it's fascinating. I don't think I've ever thought this all through like this, but I feel like, yeah, maybe I yeah, it's easier for me to admire intellectual concepts than actual music mm-hmm. and, and perhaps an emotion in music and and that's that's what the role of that score is to um yeah, and I, I guess that's interesting that I, I have a less of a sense of um, pride about that sort of accomplishment. Um, I can't really explain that, but I've never really articulated it like that to myself. So I'll have to think about that a bit. But um, yeah, uh, I I I think you're right. I think it does have that effect, and it is, a, and we are. Yeah and I, again I, Aang's instinct was so right about that is that you we need to be compassionate and and like you say that sense of like gratitude almost of being being alive and being able to see this and yeah there there is something really beautiful and moving you know it's fascinating too like I had a group of grade 6s in here today and I was showing them an animated film that I worked on last year and then and like one of them somehow the life of Pi came up and then they were all in in grade six, and they were very excited about that film. Oh yeah, that I love that film. It's like mm-hmm. really, that's fascinating that you know, there really was like they really knew that film and they so the fact that it speaks to, yeah you know, people, all around the world, and that was a fascinating thing too to see how it was accepted and how people read it differently in different countries and different cultures, and how some people, yeah, they had intellectual responses; some play, uh, people more emotional. So it is it is an amazing it's an amazing film and one that was very difficult for us to um, to pull off. All all of the all the departments were really challenged to as far as like could go so probably there's also some of that in my um, my feelings about Your recollections it. of yeah going down the wrong path and throwing you know four months of work away and starting again and you know that's what we do and that's part of the process but yeah it was it was a particularly t- tough tough one And there is a lot of music
0: in the film I mean the film's just over two hours long so I can imagine there was just a lot to to actually create and produce
1: yeah there's so much of the film that they're you know it's a boy on the ocean with a mute tiger so Mm -hmm. um, the music has a lot of work to do um, and has to support keep that line that arc going from the beginning to the end and yeah so I I mean I'm, I'm so grateful and it was just one of those things like when Aang made that call And he was laughing. He's like, "Well, this is like you're born to do this film." And like I said, I was terrified. I I, my feeling. I hung up that phone after the call. I was just like, terrified because I knew, yeah, it is. This is what I I, like. Like you say, it's the culmination of er everything I'd done in my life. Was like leading up to this. And I knew it was going to be very hard. So yeah, it was a, it was intimidating. And Aang was laughing about, you know, how funny it was that, you know, even the tiger, everything, like the tiger that they used to shoot um, the few scenes where there's an actual tiger was from a zoo, like, you know, 15 miles away from me in Toronto. Like, they found a tiger, you know, it's just like, every I was like, yeah, of course, of course the tiger's from, you know, Belleville. Cause you <laughs> and his know. name is Michael Danny. his name's Michael <laughs> Danny, yeah, of course. You know, so the whole thing was just, um, yeah, it was kind of... Just f- had that feeling of fate about it and and so yeah, and so I mean, it was terrifying
0: <laughs> there was a there, there's one of the things that i'll never forget there's the moment where the ship is sinking, and there's so much going on, i mean just in terms of actual on screen action. my recollection of it is that there's no music through that
1: you are correct
0: and which is you know a I think a directorial decision that a lot of people would not make and that's amazing and then the music appears When he's seeing the boat from underwater as it's starting to sink and and it's This awful moment and yet there's a moment where we're allowed to contemplate the wonder of what's happening A lot of that is the music Mm. There's a choir. Yes. Is there a boy soprano? Yes, yeah. Talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. And again, the brilliant directorial decision that, like you say, a lot of people wouldn't make is, is that we're the racket and sh- screaming wind and, and howling animals and people as this ship sinks, um, the elements taking over the entire soundtrack. And it's really brutal to watch that scene it would be far less brutal with a score reminding us that we're watching a movie and it's all going to be okay so ang went for the the raw sound there and it's incredibly effective and then yes then and then you know this is again it's such a classic Lee thing and you remember from the ice storm like he it's like okay well the first time that i want to really feel from the music is when it goes to dark at the end like that's when you can open up like finally you can you can emote here and and he always i've learned that from him just knowing this moment when to when to hold it in and when to let it out and and that sense of of tension and release is that's a perfect example of yeah we we watch the ship you know be battered and in the storm and we're one is it going to sink what's going to happen all of that is played with natural sound only when the ship is kind of sinking into the water before his eyes from underwater from this uncanny shot um, then we have this beautiful music which is again this compassionate music of and it's not particularly it's not what you would call sad or tragic it's more compassionate and that you know again it's like the right it's the right artistic decision it was the right emotional note to play at that moment and it's it is it's very moving but in a kind of unexpected way Um, it's kind of almost beautiful Mm -hmm. and yeah it's chilling in that way What's the text? that? Is there any text? Yeah, that is um, because I, I I like my choirs to sing um, text always because I just don't, I mean unless there's a reason that you want ooh or ah um, I just like the sound I, first of all it's easier to sing in tune and properly when you're singing words mm-hmm. and I always think Latin is a good language to sing so I usually even in storks as i was showing the kids this morning an animated film they're singing you know um ancient roman poetry about storks which <laughs> doesn't really mean anything or you know eagles or we may you know we have joke like latin jokes but you know the sound of singing in latin is beautiful and in in that particular one it's a it's a um, text from the mass for the dead but it's it doesn't again I, 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 you know I picked that text but not it's not particularly meaningful. You shouldn't really be able to hear the words you don't really and that's actually, good that yeah. we I, in fact I remember telling the choir, please don't enunciate the way you normally would like mm-hmm. you know so like blur over the notes and maybe don't hit the S's so hard and T's. just I want to hear the words but only if I already knew them mm-hmm so, again, it's, it would be too much information and um, it might be distracting. But I did want the sense that there was this, um, yeah, this sense of a ceremonial and the sense of control of a choir singing a text. You know? mm-hmm. Which choir was that? In Which? London. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Where did you record in
1: London? At Air Studios? Or? Um, that choir was recorded... At, air. Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. Yeah. Did you record that in various places? It yeah. It seemed like the. Yeah. the um, The orchestra was recorded here in Los Angeles, and um, it's such a blur. I mean, we recorded the gamelan in Toronto. Um, the bansuri was in Toronto. The v- some of the instruments and the vocal. Um, were recorded in Bombay I wrote the song the very first thing I wrote for the movie was the song the opening song with with my singer in in Bombay so I went there and we wrote we worked on it together wrote it um, and she wrote the words I wrote the melody in, in a couple of days, we kind of finished the song and recorded kind of a rough draft. And then we went back and did a, a final draft of the song maybe four months later or something. Yeah, we recorded everywhere. Like it's just what a. What was her name? A Bombay Jayashree. And um, had you worked with her before? No, but um, I knew the idea of what I wanted at the beginning was because you open because again, we had to have this sense of of compassion for the audience and what we're about to put them through, but also the sense of to understand what he's, what Pi is about to lose. We had to really give him something beautiful to start with that we were going to take away from him. So where he's born in this fabulous, he's born in a zoo with parents that love him and this warm, and we wanted to make it, you know, super exaggerated, rich, this you know so the colors are beautiful the animals are all friendly and clean and everything is just it's the most magical it's his memory as an adult of growing up in this place and it's with this rose-colored glasses view of of that world and and the sound of a mother singing a lullaby i mm-hmm. thought would be the perfect sound for him we wanted to use the the language, the correct language for, for South India. So I have a South Indian singer, and um, I was aware of her work because I had a, I guess at the time he was two years old, and I, and I don't even remember how I got it, and that's the funny thing, I don't know if I researched it or I was in India. But I had a CD that she had made of Indian lullabies, because she had just had a, her own child. And so she did this CD of, of lullabies from around, India, folk lullabies from around India. So I already knew, and her voice was the right voice. So we wrote an original lullaby, but um, that was the inspiration of it was kind of her, that idea of these lullabies. and. And to orchestrate it in this kind of fantastical way where it's just everything's beautiful and you've got harp glisses and celeste glisses, and just it's just this fabulous, beautiful place. So, yeah, so I got sidetracked there, but anyway, that's how we started. Because it was sort of a west, in a way, it was a
0: western composition, but it had all these other elements.
1: Yeah, it's very much. I mean, I I wrote the melody, and I it's it's in a rag and everything, but it's still got you know, m- m- you know Anglo-Saxon male hands all over it <laughs> as far as the writing. So I mean, she made it. She made it very much, you know, Indian in yeah. her way. But she, um, you know, she 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 really made it hers. But it it, it was written by. Somebody who's not Indian.
0: Karni. Karni. Well, the gamelan does make a, a reappearance in in Life of Pi from when we heard it yeah. in Ice Storm. You just showed me these amazing instruments. You've started playing them. How uh, important is it to you to understand how... Because you work with a lot of different, for lack of a better word, exotic instruments. How important is it to you to understand how they're played in order for you
1: to compose for them? It's It's... It's extremely important, and, um, you know, yeah, I'm now working on a film called The Breadwinner, which is an animated film about a young girl in Afghanistan during the Taliban rule in the 90s. And um, it's a really beautiful film, and I want to use Afghan instruments. So literally yesterday I was at um, this tabla player's house that's ironically like two blocks from here and he's an afghan-american and he and a Rabab player friend of his were were basically showing us you know giving us a, a tutorial on afghan music and scales and different rhythms and all those things and so yeah i'm kind of right in the middle of researching that whole world and yeah, it's important not only to respect the culture and respect the instrument and not use it in a in an ignorant way, in an unintelligent and uneducated way and, and to understand, you know, so I he I would he would play a rhythm, and I'd say, Okay, where where in what circumstances is that rhythm used? Well that's a Tajik rhythm and it's used at weddings, okay, you know, what, what's a mournful rhythm and what, and oh, well, we only play that on the dole, not the tabla, and that's, you know, Mogali rhythm or whatever, you know, that you play, so that's, that's important to me to understand from the inside. Now, of course, in the film, you know, again, it's almost like we were talking about Life of Pi that you, you take all this knowledge in, but then you need to forget it and just you know honor what the film needs because that ultimately that is the that's what make calls the shots is the film the story what it is what it needs from the music to to tell a story but I want to have that knowledge first so that I can at least base my decisions on you know some kind of knowledge uh, of the culture of, of the music that I'm appropriating here so um, yeah so I I want to really understand Afghan music but then when I use it in the film I I'll be free to use it how I need to to tell the story and I might if I'm using a different rhythm on a different instrument well I'll at least know that I'm doing it that's not in a um, typical cultural way I'll have a reason for doing that but I won't hopefully I won't make that mistake out of ignorance so yeah, and then being able to get inside. And I, I mean, I love the gamelan. I love listening to it. And It was so fun to be in Bali in a country where you hear that music everywhere. Like it's not, this is not a, you know, dog and pony show kind of music. Like it's played in on every street corner. I mean, you walk through a village and there's a temple here. And there's like, a, I saw a group of like kids, like maybe 10 to 12 years old like all playing gamelan with the teacher and I'd seen that teacher the night before in the temple like in a in his group Mm -hmm. so it's kind of amazing it's a real living culture and they love they love their their music and it was just so fun and just drive I had a little motorcycle and drive around from village to village and and you were just there right yeah just in November and I I mean I was so lucky I ended up going to this village and um, to see this teacher and he um, I just happened to be there on the the most important festival of the year so the whole week was just music and and ceremonies and it was incredible so I was so lucky to see that and and yeah, had to be again I mean to repeat the ice storm theme just to be in a place where there is really a different relationship between people and between the society and nature and between music and the society it's a really different way of living and it's something that feels pretty good for somebody looking in from the outside mm-hmm. I mean I was kind of jealous uh, of the people that live there and of course there's wonderful uh, things that they're jealous of here but it really I, I really respect and and enjoy just being being there and and seeing how people yeah they have this amazing tradition and they love it and it's part of their life and you literally turn on the radio and you can hear like gamelan music and edm that's the other thing that you hear Mm -hmm. there (laughs) related my two favorite i mean they're like the same thing and Mm -hmm. that's my next idea is to make an edm album out of gamelan's anyway i'll get to work on that um,
0: you know, it's interesting. I remember another film that we worked on together, another Aang film, *Ride with the Devil*, and uh, you were talking about the, how Aang responds to things visually. I remember in pre-production, because as, you know, as you know, but people who are listening might not know, when you work on an Ang Lee film, all the department heads get intro- handed this big binder and. You know, in the ice storm, it was the fashions of the, of the 70s. It was poly- what was happening politically. You know, you get this in- intensely researched. And on Ride With The Devil, I remember going in to meet with Aang and early on, and I had just started messing around on the fretless banjo, and I thought that Aang might re- respond to it. And I brought it in, and he just looked at it, and his first thought was, it reminded him of an instrument from Taiwan, hmm. and uh, ultimately it finds its way into the palette of the score. And what I recall was you buying a banjo hmm. and teaching yourself to play.
1: Yeah, I took lessons. In fact. Oh, you took lessons. Claw hammer. Yeah, I can still, you know, still pull out the claw. Hammer. There, that's a, such a great thing because it's a it's a weird um, kind of plucking with your right hand, and. It's like riding a bicycle like you you really you you can't do it. You can't do it and then suddenly Blammo, it just starts going It, it just starts happening and it's such a fun feeling to be able to, to do that claw hammer, but uh, Yeah, I, I uh, Again, yeah, it was fun. I mean, you know ang is such a perfect match for me in that way as a director. He just exhaustive research and just dissecting the story from every side and and understanding everything that's going on, and yeah, with Ride with the Devil, we we in the music department did the same thing. Yeah, I love that score. I listened to it a lot. Um, we recorded it at
0: AIR, Lynn Hurst, and the orchestra sounds amazing. And uh, Dirk Powell, who you know, yeah. we found sort of by accident, and yeah. I found one of his CDs, and you know, left in a the wrong. In the jazz section, as I was checking out at Tower Record buying buying CDs of banjo players, who because we were trying to find someone that would an old time player yeah. be the soloist. Um, but that being said, it's a, it's a beautiful score that mm. uses orchestra and banjo in a way yeah. that I don't think's ever been done.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, i, I loved I loved that score. I love that movie. I think it's one of the underappreciated films of Ang Lee. I I think it's a really Great film. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think a lot of people missed, have missed that film. I agree.
0: You mentioned Mira Nair early on, and there are other filmmakers that you have ongoing relationships with. Um, Obviously, Adam O'Goyan, who you've worked with for years, fellow Canadian, um, Bennett Miller. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always felt that, as far as directors are concerned, the music is such a mystery to them, that once they find somebody that they can work with, that's a relationship that can last for a long time do you feel that there's something to be gained from that familiarity from having worked with someone does it is there a new shorthand
1: that develops definitely and there's a sense of trust i mean there's so much trust that has to be given to the composer by the director because you're articulating kind of the innermost themes of their film and um in a way that's not really understood by anybody including the composer (laughs) um it's a it's a powerful tool but there's no you know there's no answers to a lot of the questions about why does this work or why doesn't this work um it's a mysterious art and um so there i think that lack of control is something that obviously directors are uncomfortable with because they you know that's what the way they're wired is to be able to control every element of their film and music is this one area that that is so hard to define or even talk about and everyone has an opinion about it but no one really necessarily has answers so it's something that I think they're suspicious about at first like the first time Director or first-time collaboration with the director they're Yeah, they understand the power that they're handing you Or they feel they're handing you of course in real life. It is it's very much a collaboration But I think they feel like it's a collaboration that they don't have much control over so Once they found that they've got through the process and that they were able to voice their Themes through your music, I think. Then, yeah, the the trust is there, and then the process can be a lot more open the next time, and and the, there's that confidence that we will get to where we need to to go. What's the language that you like to use? Because
0: non-musical. Yeah, I'm assuming most of the directors you worked with are not necessarily musicians, but
1: yeah, and even if they are. I still prefer non-musical direction. I tell them, you know, talk to me like you would talk to anybody else in your crew. Like, mm-hmm. I want this happier, sadder, mm-hmm. faster, slower, um, you know, or talk about what the scene means. Talk about um, who, whose perse- perspective is this music coming from? Who Who's voicing this music? You know, so those are the questions that are we need to answer and then if so then I need to understand that character so how is she feeling here what is going through her mind and of course the the big um, you know the big challenge in film music these days is is temp music and how it you know it all so many decisions are made really intimate decisions about the music are made before the composer's even hired and um, yeah. Unfortunately, we hear the results in a lot of scores these mm-hmm. days that it's just we're going over the same ground in circles over and over again. Not always the right decisions made, but because I mean, I have this all, all the time as someone will say, Oh, yeah, okay, well, when when the elevator doors, can you hit that? And it's like, well, why? Like, and then I'll real. Then there's not really an answer. And then I'll listen to the temp track and go, "Oh, that's why, because the temp music did." I mean, right. that's the reason because we're used to it. Yeah. So it, it's there's a lot of face slapping of my own face when I'm, you know, working with temp scores. But that's the reality of, of how we work. Do you find that people come to you now because,
0: of? Let's say the, the 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 sound, the instruments that you use. It's like, is that become a thing that your signature thing? And well, do you have to fight against that? Or?
1: Yeah, and also um, they've temped your music again. Like that's how you get hired because oh, we tempt this composer, so let's hire him. Mm-hmm. And then of course they want you to repeat the score that they temped in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's frustrating. It's I think the most frustrating part of our Profession right now as a f- film score composer. Yeah, I get the impression that you always look
0: for the less obvious. Like your in- instinct is just go, okay. Well, what would be like the least obvious thing I can do here?
1: Yeah, I there there is part of that, and I do enjoy like there's there's that is a really enjoyable fun feeling when you pull something off like that. But it's got to be rooted in. The story and the and the concept so you you know you can't you can't cheat and throw you know some exotic instrument or some odd um, writing style into a place that it doesn't belong there there's audacious writing and then there's audacious writing that has nothing to do with the film and it's just show off mu- show off music and like you know mooning people or something like that's all it is it's Mm -hmm. just musical mooning it's Mm -hmm. not it's not based in the story it's not based in the the theme of the film Mm -hmm. it's just showing off and i oh yeah look at this cool instrument and so what like so as tempting as that might be i i i don't do that let's go back for one second to life of pi i was uh I'm imagining that you were writing music to scenes that you couldn't see all the visuals. So, what was that like? That's tough. Um, And in animation, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I worked on a couple of. I worked on a Pixar film called *The Good Dinosaur* a couple of years ago, and then *Storks*, Warner Brothers. Animation last year. Um, and it's a great I love, anima- love working on animation because the structure of the picture doesn't, of the story doesn't change um, because it's like a radio play that you know it's recorded like a radio play, and then that's animated. So the structure of the story, they've already figured out that it works or doesn't work, and mm-hmm. it's kind of all sorted already. And then it's just kind of filled in with the animation that gets better and better as, as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, but there are moments where, yeah, you're looking at like a pencil sketch of something and you really have no idea what it is you're looking at. And that's, that's when the director, you know, the director's role becomes super important in these films that are either animation or, or have a lot of computer generated graphics that, um, animation, you know, tigers and animals that you can't see. Yeah, it, it is, you have to use your imagination and you're scoring things that you can't see and, and it's a little, it's a little frightening sometimes because you wonder, you know, you can't hit things quite as well because you're, you have to depend on a music editor adjusting it later.
0: And that, but how do you, con- is it harder to connect when you're looking at something, let's say, is all green screen or?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, because you're, as a human being, you're a composer, but you're a human being, you don't if you don't feel anything, um, if you have no emotional response to the scene because it's green screen, yes, it is difficult. You have to, yeah, you have to, you, 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 then you depend on the, the director, like I said, to inspire you to paint the picture in your imagination of what it is that you're seeing. But it's not very precise often timing-wise, so yeah, it can be a little, a little sticky. so what was your
0: trajectory in terms of the music that you were interested in like you you've done a lot with Celtic music for example can you just trace sort of the evolution of
1: where you went with where you started with that I mean there's so many I'm just interested kind of in any um you know because my my education my upbringing was Western, you know, classical music. And so I was always interested whenever I heard something that wasn't that, whether it was even hearing medieval music, I remember very clearly as a kid going to a concert of um, the um, New York Consort. I believe, came up to Toronto and played there. And I went with my mom when I was like maybe 12 or something and uh just mind blown at that that there was other ways to make music other than with the instruments that i'd been brought up with and the rawness of it and the roughness and the imprecision and the kind of um spirit of it is quite different as well so yeah i mean that was kind of i think that's my earliest memory of a of an alternate kind of music and I just loved it and I wanted to explore more so um, yeah I'm, I'm just always amazed by how in different times and places people have different ways of approaching making music and how um, it, it has completely different roles and and so the instruments evolve differently and and different language. I mean, as you, re- you remember from when we worked on Ice Storm, the Dan Hill, the, the American uh, native flute player, and how he thought about music was, you know, nothing I'd ever thought of before. He was like imitating natural sounds. Like, so I would tell him, you know, I want something high and forlorn here you say oh so like a a baby eagle like the cry of a baby eagle Mm -hmm. and then he would mimic that sound it wouldn't be playing notes he's got a flute with holes in it but he wouldn't necessarily be playing the notes on like his fingers over the holes he'd just like slide around and just do whatever he needed to do to make it sound like a baby eagle Mm -hmm. crying and you know that that amazed me just that Wow, I have never thought of music being like the sound of animals sounds, animal voices and animal calls. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so obvious and so primal that of course, we we've been inspired by making music from the, the cries and songs of birds and animals. Uh, here's a, here's someone who's that's his main practice is that kind of music. So I, I just love like these alternate, ways of informing what we do, and especially when we, when we specialize in storytelling and have these other ways of looking at things, it's just incredibly valuable.
0: Thank you, Michael. Really oh, appreciate it. Oh, it was it. a pleasure. Yeah, it's just great to see you. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you.